Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... God! 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 To be the man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1. Swan Lane drive left hand! Water on his end! This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Powers on Sports Podcast. Well, 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 it's been made official finally after lots of speculation, lots of rumors. Tom Brady is retiring from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL after 22 years in the league, seven Super Bowls, five Super Bowl MVPs. And all the accolades and all the records that he holds, both with the Patriots, the Buccaneers, and in the National Football League. It's definitely a sad day, sad week uh, for all the uh, Tom Brady fans out there and just the fans of a great football player uh, around the country. An interesting, uh, uh, you know, sideline that he finally uh, disclosed that he's had enough. And going to spend more time with Giselle and the family and do some outside of his uh, outside things outside of football with his business interests, with his TB12 brand and such. So before we get to our interview here, just a couple minutes, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, Tom, I'm going to give you a little thank you from all the fans in Tampa, from myself and such. So um, I'm going to give you a little thank you uh, out the door here in in as you leave on my beloved Tampa and head into much earned and much well-deserved retirement. I wish you were playing another year, at least one more year. I thought that would be your decision. I thought you would make the decision as a family that you were going to go play one more, make one more run at it, but not to be for Tom Brady. So I'm going to give you a little ode to Tom Brady and a thank you here in just a minute or two. So, before we get to our guests, we've got two great guests this week. We've got Roy Cummings, uh, Bucks insider for PewterPirate.com. We're going to talk covering the Super Bowl. Roy's a longtime media member in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, we're going to talk the what it's like to cover Super Bowls. We're going to talk about the NFC and AFC title games. Uh, the Rams get over the hump. The Bengals pull the stunner in Arrowhead. We're going to talk about some coaching decisions and such. Um, Roy's going to give give us a Super Bowl prediction. We're going to talk. Uh, we're actually going to talk Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's future. So you're going to hear us talk a little bit about Rodgers and Brady. Obviously, we talked to Roy prior to Tom Brady retiring. So you may hear a couple things about the speculation of what Tom might do or might not do. So just as a little preface that you will hear some of that obviously Tom has retired officially so uh, but we do have some interesting chatter about his speculation what what uh, the possibilities will be for the Buccaneers moving forward potentially Aaron Rodgers' future uh, moving forward as well even Bruce Arians' future so uh, will the Bucks be in the market to be big game quarterback hunting Russell Wilson Deshaun Watson Aaron Rodgers or are they going to go with Kyle Trask and such in the building? So 
Uh, we're also last thing we'll talk with Roy about is the Hall of Fame. He's a big baseball fan. We're going to talk about his thoughts about Hall, the Hall of Fame uh, of David Ortiz in steroid players versus non-steroid guys, even Pete Rose. So, and most. After Roy Cummings, we're going to talk to Allison Peavy in our Life of the Wife series. We're going to do a, we had a nice chat with Allison. Allison is the wife of DePaul University Athletics Director Dwayne Peavy, who is a friend of mine. Uh, Dwayne's been up in up in Chicago now a couple years, year and a half or so. So we're going to talk to Allison about their journey together with Dwayne Peavy, how she met Dwayne, uh, all the things about going into. Uh, her career, her life, uh, she's had some very interesting uh, nuggets and stories about her and Dwayne uh, growing growing together and, and getting attached and getting married, their children, their family, life in Chicago, life as being, again, being the wife of a uh, college administrator and all the challenges that go into that. So, you're gonna enjoy. You're gonna enjoy hearing from Allison Peavy as well. So, great episode. Two great interviews. Again, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give my man Tom a little thank you right now as we head to Roy Cummings. So, all right, Tom, this is going to be called thank, just a pure thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit uh, from Jimmy Fallon and his thank you notes. If you ever watched the Tonight Show with Jimmy, he does a little segment called thank yous uh, where he writes out little notes to people, but I'm not going to write it out. I'm going to give it to you via audio. So here we go. Thank you, Tom Brady, for picking Tampa. Of all the places you could have picked, all the speculation of where you could have gone after you decided to leave New England, you decided to pick Tampa, Florida. So thank you for picking Tampa. Though I will say, back in my former radio uh I had my radio show that I did with uh, my buddy Pat Hyland back in 2017 through 2020. I did predict in 2019, the week of the AFC championship game, if you remember, the Patriots lost to the Tennessee Titans when Brady threw the interception late. That following week on my radio show, I said it documented on the air that if Tom Brady became a free agent and did not return to New England, that he would end up in Tampa, Florida. I did say that. You can look it up. I said Tom Brady would be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer when nobody else thought that that was even going to be a possibility. You heard the 49ers. You heard New Orleans. You heard Miami. I said Tampa, Florida because of the talent that was in Tampa ready to win. So, But thank you, Tom, for picking Tampa. Beautiful Tampa Bay as your destination for your second, third, fourth, or even fifth act of your career. Thank you, Tom, for forcing the Buccaneer organization to go for it. The Buccaneers had not really gone for it in quite some time, so thank you for putting the pressure and the will to win in the organization from Jason Light um, Bruce Arians always had that will to win, I think, but again, really pushing the ownership and the front office to put it, make it a go for it mentality. We go out and sign Gronkowski. We go out and sign Sue. We go out and sign the free agents that we signed. We were aggressive. We traded draft picks, things like that. All the things that you 
the pressure you put on the organization to, to go for it that much. I really appreciate you doing that, Tom. Thank you, Tom, for providing the joy to the Tampa Bay community. We have been starved for a winning team in, for such a long time. The Bucks had not made the playoffs since 2007. We did not had not hosted a playoff game since 2008. So thank you, Tom, for bringing such joy to the Tampa Bay community for these last two years with the playoff wins. Remember, three playoff wins in 2020. Uh, one playoff win, a home game win in 2021, the first time we've really had a home game with fans uh, in the playoffs in such a long time. The joy you brought to us, putting us back on prime time. We were in prime time so many times, Sunday night games, Monday night games, that we just weren't getting those type of games before you came back to town, Tom. So thank you. Thank you for winning three road playoff games in 2020 and then ultimately winning the Super Bowl. Going to Washington, going to New Orleans, going and slaying the Giants, the, the, the Packers in Lambeau in the cold. That never would have happened if Tom Brady wasn't the quarterback. Winning three road playoff games and then turning around and then hosting the first ever Super Bowl for the home team. So thank you, Tom Brady. And last and not least important, thank you, Tom Brady, for allowing me to create what was called the Patriot Rules. Back in your day in New England, I became a fan of you, Tom Brady. I didn't always love the Patriots, but I always loved you, your work ethic, your ability to get the most out of your talent, the ability for you to get the most out of your guys, receivers, tight ends, team. You, all, you, you never had the best team. Next to never did you ever have the best players. You always had great coaching. You had great work ethic. You had great uh, situational football. But again, I created what was called the Patriot Rules because of you, Tom Brady. And the Patriot Rules was simple. For all these sports bettors out there, things like that, I know so many people like to bet on games. I created what was called the Patriot Rules, and it was this simple as this. If the Patriots were ever three-point favorites or less or underdogs, I don't care who you're playing, I don't care when you're playing them, I don't care what the injury situation is, if Tom Brady's playing in the game and the Patriots are three-point favorites or less, or underdogs, you bet the Patriots. Simple. The Patriot rules were in effect for some 14, 15 years. All those years in New England, and even the years in Tampa, the Patriot rules were in effect because of you, Tom Brady. So thank you. One more thing to mention before we get to Roy Cummings. Brian Flores filing a class action lawsuit against the National Football League. Very interesting situation that developed on the actual day that Tom Brady announced his retirement. Brady's accusing the NFL of racially uh, racial uh, illegal hiring practices being uh, class, again, he, he had a very poor incident with the Dolphins, was fired from the Dolphins with a, uh, after two, winning, two seasons in a row of winning, winning records. He, it, was a, it was accused that Stephen Ross offered him $100,000 per game in his first year to lose games on purpose. Uh, there was a text message exchange along, uh, related to the Giants' head coaching job where Belichick 
uh, texted Brian Flores when he really thought when he thought he was texting Brian Dayball, congratulating Dayball on getting the job, the head coaching job. This was all prior to Brian Flores was supposed to interview for the head head coaching job of the Giants. So uh, also he also accused the Denver Broncos of of, the, of a job interview back in 2019, where John Elway and company showed up to the meeting late, and it appeared that John Elway and others were potentially hungover from the night before. So. The NFL has refuted these claims. The teams have refuted these claims, but it'll be something to pay attention to moving forward. Very uh, interesting developments. Brian Flores, again, Brian is putting his career potentially on the line to do this. Uh, there's, you know, give him respect for, for willing to be willing to do that. But if it's if these claims are true, then I hope Brian Flores gets a ton of money and wins the class action lawsuit versus the NFL, and hopefully it will inspire change within the league. Because, again, only one black head coach right now in the league, Mike Tomlin. There's only a couple of GMs in the league, and that needs that that, that ratio needs to get much better. Um, again, like we've all said, I think everybody says it, the owners should be able to hire who they want to hire, but guys should be getting fair opportunities to interview. Men of color, men of... Uh, that are not white should get opportunities, the fair opportunity to interview for the job. Ultimately, the owner has the right to, to hire who he wants to hire. But again, the opportunities to get, to get opportunities to be offensive coordinators, to be executives, to be general managers, to be head coaches have to become more readily available and more readily uh, fair opportunities to get those opportunities for, for the African-American coaches and for the minority coaches around the league both college and pro football, but especially pro football. So uh, good luck to Brian Flores on that. And again, lots of guts to do that. So we will see where that moves here in the offseason. And again, Tom Brady officially announces his retirement after 22 years. Thank you again, Tom Brady, for all the, uh, the magical moments you provided to people all around the world watching professional football the last 22 years. And that, that includes me. So... Roy Cummings, Allison Peavy coming up right after the break. And we'll be right back on the Powers on Sports podcast. We'll be right back to the Powers on Sports podcast in just a minute. Hey, guys and girls, with the NFL playoffs and college hoop season in full swing and March Madness right around the corner, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may not know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That's 1-800-MY-BET-US. You will receive 125% sign-on bonus by using my special code, POWERS22. That's POWERS22, P-O-W-E-R-S-22. They also have re-up and referral bonuses as well. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons, but most importantly, because you get paid. Remember, use the code POWERS22 to get 125% sign-on bonus. BetUS has all of your NBA and NHL games with player and team props and loads of NFL parlays, teasers, and live betting options. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA Tour golf, player and round matchups, as well as live betting on most sports. The, their online casino has hundreds of games, and the race book has all of your favorite horse tracks. 
They have every bet type imaginable, and the Sharp BetUS mobile app platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my, my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did, BetUS. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid. BetUS, and remember the promo code POWERS22. BetUS, where the games begin. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. It is not quite Super Bowl week, but it's the dead week before the Super Bowl. Probably one of the most boring weeks of the year for people in the media and all that. And all that's, you know, the NFL loves it because we get to hype up the game for two weeks, but it is a dead week. No more games this week. Got to wait two, almost two full weeks until we get our next game here in February. It'll be February 13th in Los Angeles. And no better person to talk Super Bowl. We're going to talk the Super Bowl matchup. We're going to talk AFC, NFC uh, divisional and NFC title game matchups. We're going to talk a little Hall of Fame. Uh, Baseball Hall of Fame had their, uh, their, their selections last week. No better person to talk to than Roy Cummings. Roy's been covering the Buccaneers since 1999. He's a Buccaneer insider for PewterPirates.com. Longtime sports uh, media member here in the Tampa Bay area, both TV and print and radio. So uh, I know we've had Roy on several months ago. It's the first time we've had him on this football season. So welcome back, Roy. Thanks for having me back, Jason. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I know you're a football fan as much as you are a media guy. Has there ever been a two-week period, divisional round, NFC, AFC title games, as dramatic and as, as down to the wire as we've seen these last two weeks? No, there hasn't. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, I thought the, um, the divisional round uh, weekend was the best weekend of uh, NFL football in the, in the game's history. I, I don't think we've ever had uh, matchups and games that good, comebacks, as you said, down to the wire, drama, overtime drama, uh, great plays, bad football, great football. Uh, coaching, really bad coaching, good coaching. <laughs> Yeah, but that's what made it exciting is uh, all the all the questionable decisions, all the good decisions. And then you follow it up with these uh, championship games this past week. And it was, uh, again, another exceptional week. So I'm going to say right now, the last six games that we've seen from the NFL have been six of the best games we've ever seen from the NFL. And uh, fans are really, uh, really, really enjoying it. Yeah, it's crazy. Every every time you think the the wild card round was not a very good round of games, so you you never know how these games are going to go. You know, everybody, the NFL just keeps f- figuring out a way to keep the interest level up. And who, I mean, the TV ratings were off the charts. I'm sure they were tremendous for the for the title game. You had upsets. You had again teams that you didn't think were going to win. You had drama with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers' future, and all that, which we're going to get into. But just unbelievable drama. All four games in the divisional round end on the last play of the game, whether it's a field goal or a walk-off touchdown. I don't think that's ever happened in NFL history. And obviously, AFC NFC title games were just as dramatic. Went down. Both of them went down to the wire. All right, let's go to NFC Championship game first. San Francisco. L.A. hosting in uh, L.A., you know, 20 to 17 final. The Rams finally get it done. Kind of the 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 team put together with all the star players sacrificing all the draft picks by Sean McVay, Les Snead and company out in Los Angeles. Just your thought on that game. And before I ask it, 
you 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 obviously knew Sean McVay a little bit during his time with John Gruden. Tell us about your interaction with Sean McVay as kind of a low-level assistant with the Buccaneers. Yeah, uh, might have said hello a couple of times. That would have been about it. Um, first of all, when you had John Gruden, you really didn't need to go to anybody else. Um, but uh, at the time, Sean McVay was really such an underling that uh, he wasn't anybody that anyone in the media really um, – had any opportunity to, to really interact with. There was no reason to, right. Uh, you know, again, I, I don't, if anybody tells you they developed a relationship uh, with Sean McVay at that time, they're, they're probably lying to you. I hate to yep. say that, but uh, because he was just such a, uh, so, so low on the totem pole at the time, but you know what, that's, uh, that's how guys, uh, you know, make their mark in this league or start to, at least they, uh, you get with a darn good head coach and you, you start to pick his brain and, you know, follow his lead and do what he does. And uh, sooner or later, you might get a chance. And it certainly has worked out for Sean McVay. So very happy for him. And, uh, you know, so again, yeah, I'm very happy for him. You look at the game yesterday. Some, we, we were very close to being in a situation where, where Sean McVay would be getting killed this week because of some coaching decisions he made in that game. Some replay reviews that he did. They wasted some timeouts in the second half. You know, he was on the absolute on the on the brink of being the reason why the Rams didn't win the game. Give him credit. Give Matthew Stafford credit. And that defense, they buckled down going to that fourth quarter, coming back from 17-7. And then on the other side of the, of the ledger, you have Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy G, all the controversy around his tenure in San Francisco. Just your thoughts on the coaching moves that you saw yesterday by both those guys. Yeah, I, you know, Sean McVay, I think, has uh, developed a, a pretty good, you know, um, reputation for, for being a bit of a gambler, certainly taking chances, not afraid to, you know, lean on his best players. And, uh, you know, there he was on a, a critical third down, uh, you know, in scoring position behind. And he threw this little pass out into the floor, call for a little flat pass out into the, into the backfield, went nowhere. You know, that was a situation. You got to take a shot at the end zone there. Yeah. You know, you just completed – Two long passes. I remember you know, everybody saw you. Know, so that's on me, and it clearly was. And uh, he just um, he looked a little skittish there, but uh, certainly he came back. And I think he realized, hey, you know, I've got I've got some horses here that I've got to lean on. Matt Stafford. I've got great receivers. Uh, I think I thought Odell, Be Odell yes. Beckham Jr. played a tremendous game. Yes, um, really played well. So uh, we're really happy for him. And you know what? Let's not forget Raheem Morris is on that team too yes. as a coach defensive coordinator might get a shot at another head coaching position. So we'll see how it goes, but yeah, um, a lot of interesting decisions there. And when you got Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, look again, you, you lean on him as well. You think you've got uh, a pretty good talent there and I think they do. Um, but uh, you know, one thing happens and, and I'll say this about Jimmy Garoppolo, probably not the coolest customer under pressure. Um, he's going to probably be criticized a lot for the, the little, uh, the attempt to try to make a, an incomplete pass out of uh, what would appear to be a sack. Um, I don't think he ever thought he would throw the ball high enough for that ball to get missed yeah. uh, by the back. And uh, then it gets tipped and uh, intercepted and there's the game. So um, can't blame him for that. No. But, uh, hey, this is, uh, you know, we can sit back and, and question a lot of, a lot of the calls, but uh, bottom line was, as we said already, just a, a great game. And uh, usually sometimes in great games against two great teams, uh, it comes down to who makes the biggest mistake. And uh, in this case, it turned out to be San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, it was just crazy. It was funny. Funny how the, the Rams path to the Super Bowl this time, they had to beat two divisional opponents, Arizona and San Francisco. 
which obviously you know these teams so well with their regular season means. So even a tougher task for the Rams to have to do that. Kyle Shanahan, I was surprised he didn't go for it on fourth and two. He had about fourth and two in like the 42. McVay had just challenged, lost the challenge, and then they called a timeout. They went to TV. I really thought Shanahan was going to go for it there because they had a little bit of momentum. If you score there, you really put the Rams in a major bind. Uh, it's true, but you know, I looked at it and I thought, boy, that's it's really fourth and two and a half, and it was a long two. Yeah. And uh, if you don't get it, uh, the way the Rams were moving the ball, I, I got a feeling that um, that could really uh, come back to haunt you. There, there's times when sometimes you have to say, hey, um, this is more of a risk. We we can get we can give the ball to our you know let our defense go out there and play. They're part of this team too. Uh, you got to have faith in your defense as much as your offense. And I think in that case, he decided, hey. Uh, the, the smarter move here is to, to play some defense, get the ball back. And you know what? At the end of the day, they had a chance. And uh, just they punt the ball. They punt the ball in the play after the punt. The DB drops the ball right in his hands on the bomb, which was unbelievable. Exactly. I mean, crazy. Yeah, right. And then the next play, they hit Beckham for like 30 plus a 15-yard penalty. So the whole field flips after that, that two-play sequence of the Niners intercepting the ball and not catching it. And then Odell Beckham for the big catch and then the personal foul. So just crazy how the momentum swung on that last seven or eight minutes of the game. Yeah, like I said, in games like that, where you have so many playmakers making plays on both sides of the ball, it, it usually does come down to who makes who makes the larger mistake. And, you know, you hate to say it that way, yep. um, because but that's what it came down to. Yep. The, the, the bigger mistakes were made by San Francisco, uh, and, and that's what uh, ended up costing them at the end of the day. I saw a stat that Kyle Shanahan in his last three playoff losses has been outscored 53 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's not good. Um, that, that tells you that there's something uh, inherently wrong in the scheme and the, the game plan. So I'm not right. sure what that is, but uh, Crazy. Uh, some different players involved. But at the end of the day, uh, you got to look at that and figure out what's going on. Man, crazy. All yeah. right, let's go to the AFC. The game we all thought, okay, great story with Cincinnati coming in, Joe Burrow, all that stuff. But you think, okay, they got to go to Arrowhead. Here comes the end of the road. They are getting smacked 21-3 to late in the second quarter. And Kansas City basically has the ball on the three-yard line with 15, 20 seconds left in the half. You know, they got two opportunities to make it 28-3. to And you know it's going to be 24-3 to at the minimum. And Patrick Mahomes just absolutely has a brain cramp and blows that last couple plays, and they get nothing, which gives Cincinnati a little bit of life going into that second half. Yeah, it sure did. And, uh, look, I, 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 don't, I don't think anybody would argue with my belief that the better team lost. I think Kansas City was the better team. But, yep. again, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but in games like this, who makes the bigger mistakes and when? Um, both teams are going to be playing well, and both teams did. And this came down to, again, another critical mistake. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between what happened with San Francisco at the end yep. and what happened with Kansas City at the end of their game. And uh, you, you let a good team back in, you let them hang, in, hang around, and there's a good chance you're going to get burned by it, and that's exactly what happened. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's any question. Kansas City is the better team, but on this day – uh, they made one too many mistakes, and it ended up costing them. And it shows you what a team who might not be the, the most team of potential and skill and athletes, when you have that quarterback that everybody believes in, in Joe Burrow, I mean, say what you want, 
this guy's a gamer. And that guy made a couple of unbelievable scramble runs for first downs when the Bengals were teetering to get blown out. And he made some plays with his feet. Remember, coming off a major knee injury last year, people don't realize that. Getting battered all year. He got not sacked nine times last week in Tennessee. Just the grit of Joe Burrow to keep hanging in there in a tough environment. Yeah, the, the, the football world has woken up to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, no doubt about it. It's going to really, it's going to be an intriguing Super Bowl because you have Matthew Stafford, who's never been there, uh, never, you know, never won a playoff game before this year, uh, finally getting his chance in the Super Bowl. And then one of the young guns, and there's so many of them right now in the NFL. Uh, but one of the one of the rising stars in Joe Burrow, that that matchup is is certainly going to be interesting um, the way that works out. So, hey, I'm, I'm very excited for this Super Bowl. I think yeah. it's going to be a really good one. It's going to certainly be fun uh, gearing up for it for the next two weeks. That's for sure. And then you have the coaching angle where Zach Taylor used to coach with Sean McVay in yeah. L.A. So he's yeah. got that angle. That's how Zach Taylor got the job in Cincinnati because of his work with Sean McVay. And obviously, you know, you, so you got that angle as well of knowing each other's tendencies and things like that. That's going to play into this game as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so many storylines and we're just developing a couple of them here. So uh, there'll be more, that's for sure, because uh, this is an interesting matchup. Not only of these, uh, it's been a while for both of these teams to be in the Super Bowl, yep. but uh, you know, it's obviously new for LA. Uh, it's been a long time for Cincinnati um, some of the personalities on, on both sides of the ball and both teams, really interesting. The way Cincinnati's building their team through the draft right. as opposed to L.A., which kind of went the Bucks route and got a bunch of free agents and decided we're going to go after this thing and, uh, you know, make, make this new building that we've built uh, pay off for us. And lo and behold, it's going to happen. So uh, this will be interesting. Again, two years in a row now, Yeah, uh, <laughs> you've got a, a team in the Super Bowl hosting its own game. That's interesting. Exactly. After so many years of never having it. The first 54 years of the game, you've never seen it happen. And on two back-to-back -back years, it happened. So it's crazy. So yeah. how many Super Bowls have you covered? Oh, gosh. Uh, I guess about 15 or 18 of them. Very cool. How many times have you ever been in a Super Bowl? Whether I mean, obviously you covered it for the Bucks a couple times and, and such. And so obviously many, many more. Have you ever been out and about places and you've seen stuff? player-wise related that you just that that you so wanted to report on or is that is that kind of a what, what's the what's the reporter in you when you see stuff in the Super Bowl guys at nightlife guys out on the town that you say uh-oh he shouldn't be doing that or uh-oh what, what is the kind of the fine line of reporting that kind of stuff especially during a Super Bowl well if you see it uh you know and and you know you certainly can report it if you think it's worth reporting um but I gotta be honest I'd I don't remember seeing much. One of the things about the Super Bowl is um, you're so separated from the players. They, they do a, you know, the media is usually in, in one hotel miles away from uh, where the players are. And the other thing is you don't see too many players out and about anymore uh, during the week of the Super Bowl. They, they know that it's a business trip at that point. Um, most of the, you know, the, the reason to go out is, is really not there. Uh, there's a lot of meetings, you know, there's so much more involved than normal for players. They've got to go to the, the media uh, events and, and then you've got other things. And then, you know, when you get to the weekend, uh, the media is always going to the, you know, the various parties. There's, there's different parties, but usually players aren't involved in those things. It's rare that they ever show up. So right. it's very rare that you kind of stumble on a player. Now, Tampa has been known for 
having a few uh, for it's it's got some venues that players uh, find their way <laughs> to for sure. And um, you know uh, when that's happened, it's been reported. And um, yeah. you know usually it's something that uh, doesn't come out until uh, after the game or uh, if yeah. it comes out you know before the game, it's something pretty controversial that everybody knows about or possibly involving an arrest. That's uh, that's the thing you you really have to avoid. And I think you know in the last. 10 years, I would say, um, teams have figured out to, a, a way to keep, keep most of those things under wraps and, and not just under wraps, but the players have realized that, Hey, we got to be smarter about this. This is a, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, yeah. uh, we can't tell you, we can't be stupid about this. Yeah. Yeah. That you've had the two kind of the, in the last 20 years or so you had Eugene Robinson with the Falcons yep. got arrested. And then in your Super Bowl, you had Barrett Robbins, the center yep. for the Raiders had his issue down in, you know, I know he had some, I don't know if it's mental, he had, he had an issue where he kind of went AWOL. How do you, going back to remember that, how much did that, you really think affected the Raiders in their preparation? You think it was astronomically important? Because remember, the Gruden, this was the Gruden Super Bowl against the Raiders and all that. How much of an impact do you think that Barrett Robinson thing had on the Super Bowl? Yeah, it was just another issue that they had to deal with. Look, they were, they were kind of, uh, you know, backed up against the wall to begin with because Gruden knew exactly what they were going to run, knew what the offense was. The Bucks knew what was coming. I don't think the Raiders necessarily knew that, um, but uh, they might not have been, they might not have the best game plan put together because everybody knew what was coming. But now you throw on top of that, this distraction, you just can't have that. Um, a key player for them. And uh, you know, the Super Bowl is a game where you've got to have all your best, right. uh, pretty much at their best. And if you're missing one guy, it throws everything off because you've had a week of preparation and to lose a guy like Eugene Robinson or Barrett Robbins the night before the game, there's just no opportunity to adjust. Yeah. The, you know, the backup can go in there and say he's going to play as hard as he can, but it's just the whole team is mentally, uh, uh, you know, checked out at that point. Not necessarily checked out, but it's there. Everybody's affected when that suddenly happens uh, you know, 24 and, and the bizarre way in which it does happen, yeah, right. you know, a guy arrested for solicitation, a guy who goes across the border and is suddenly, you know, just Missing. disappears. Yeah. It goes AWOL on his team. It's like the whole team's wondering, well, what, what, what were you thinking? You know, right. so everybody's talking about it. Um, it's on everybody's mind and it's a major distraction. It's a, it's a big edge for uh, the opponent when something like that happens. Yeah, and it'll be interesting in this game. Well, I'll get you a quick Super Bowl prediction here. Interesting in this game, you got the team of veterans of the Rams, all the older guys. You got the experience, and then you got the young guys in Cincinnati that don't know any better. You got a bunch of all their big playmakers are young guys, probably less than three or four years in the league for all their big players. How do you think that dynamic will play into all the all the theatrics of the Super Bowl and all that stuff? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Um, but you know what? Let's face it. Uh, some of the guys uh, on the Rams have never been there. So, uh, you know, Stafford, start with him. You know, Cooper Cup, uh, uh, the stars have never been there. Again, I, I think you're at a point now where the coaches understand uh, this is the biggest game. This is not the time to go out and have, have a party the night before a game. This is the time to, to, to just, you know, focus on the game a little bit. Um, you don't, you don't have to study it, but you know, you, cause you've done so much work, take a mental break, but at the end of the day, just be smart that, that day it's, it's, you know, you got all the next day to get ready for the game. Uh, and that throws you off as well a little bit. So, um, you know, go out and have a nice dinner. Just, just keep it cool that night. If, if there's something you feel you got to do, or, you know, 
somebody you got to see. Uh, tell, tell them you'll see them on Monday or Tuesday because uh, you just we just need a good 24 hours out of you here. Uh, keep your keep yourself focused. That's right. Who do you like in the game? You know, I, I'd love to see. Uh, part of me would love to see the Bengals win for Joe Burrow. I mean, I think he's a special talent. I like what they've done there. Um, I think it's a, an interesting team on the rise. I'm, I think they're there a little bit prematurely, to be honest. But uh, hey, who can say that when you when you go out and beat the best team in the in the conference as they did with Kansas City? But my heart is kind of rooting for Raheem Morris and Sean McVay, these former Bucks guys who. Um, you know, I've got a little bit of a connection to certainly Raheem, you know, still a, a good friend. So, right. uh, and, and I like, you know what, I, I, I got to pull for Matt Stafford as well. Um, like to see him do it. Uh, Cooper Cup, obviously, is a, a tremendous player. Von Miller, the opportunity for him to get another uh, ring. I think that is special. So um, I guess I'm kind of pulling for, uh, for L.A. And I, to be honest, I think they're the better team. I've been concerned about L.A. all year. I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've been asked, you know, what team out there worries you in terms of the Bucs getting to the Super Bowl? Right. I've said it all along ever, from the very beginning. And I'm, I'm a guy who picked San Francisco to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC. Um, I thought L.A. was the best team in the NFC all along. And uh, I still think that's the case. And now I think they're the better team in this matchup for sure. And the other part of this whole dynamic is how much the Bengals are kind of the perception of the Bengals around the league and league circles media. They're perceived to have the worst facilities. Mike Brown is seems to be archaic in his scouting and all that kind of stuff. You know, they sounds like they practice over an interstate. They don't have yeah. an indoor practice facility, but yet it shows if you're a galvanized organization, you know, within that locker room, you can overcome all that stuff and go to the Super Bowl and even potentially win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I remember a team that uh, had the worst facility uh, going pretty far at one point, uh, winning a Super Bowl. It, it seems like, let me remember, 2002, uh, yeah, I think it was the Buccaneers. <laughs> right. So that's just an interesting dynamic and all that as well. All right, let's transition away from this from the Super Bowl. Let's go back to the Bucks and Brady and Rodgers. What was just your your thought of the game? Obviously, that game was probably the way that game unfolded was, was probably a one-in-a-hundred type scenario where it unfolded like that. And then, obviously, the Bucks get back in the game. Just your general thought of the game and post-game and all that stuff. Yeah, look – one of the concerns I've had with the Buccaneers all year is that they they've had a tendency to let teams kind of hang around and uh, they did it again. And um, when you get that far behind, it's just, it's, it's hard to, to catch up against a, a quality opponent. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Bucs did not play well um, against Carolina uh, down the stretch against the Jets down the stretch. Um, I wasn't surprised at all with what happened in the playoffs. I, I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have been surprised if they got knocked out in the first round. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they were the better team and they showed it. But um, they're a team that just, um, let's face it, they had a, they had a kind of a knack for, um, for letting teams hang around, as I said. And the defense, to me, is just not mature. And um, when you live by the blitz, you're going to die by the blitz at times. Yeah. And they died by the blitz. And, um, you know, you heard Levante David talk about turmoil within the defense. And I people, a lot of people trying to figure out what he meant by that. I think what he meant by that is that I think throughout the course of the season with so many guys in and out uh, because of injuries, COVID, whatever, um, I, I think there's been a, a bit of a communication problem, uh, particularly in the secondary and right. maybe with the, in the back seven, uh, along with the, uh, the, the linebackers, you know, who's covering who, who's got what, uh, what defense are we in sometimes. And um, I, I think it caught up to him uh, against uh 
against the Rams, obviously at the end. And uh, they paid a price for it. Uh, it's not a, it's a price. I thought they were going to end up paying at some point. I, I never thought that they would struggle to score points and they didn't, um, you know, it weren't for Tom Brady. They're not in the game at all. So, uh, right. uh, but uh, at the end of the day, I, I kind of figured the defense would probably uh, end up costing them and it did. Yeah. It's like I said, just a, a crazy ending to the game, obviously. Um, obviously all the speculation that, that you've heard over the last several days, Tom Brady's future, you know, you had the report that he's for sure retiring. Then Brady says not so fast that his dad's made his comment. How challenging would that be for you if you, somebody that was not Tom Brady gave you that information as far as to, to source it out and that? Because that's all been all the talk is, well, Tom Brady hasn't said anything, but, but obviously Schefter and Jeff Darlington, who were very plugged into that, to the camp, somebody told him, hey, he's pretty much, we think it's, it's for sure going to happen. How do, you, how do you handle that as, the, as a reporter? Well, it, dep- it depends on who your source is. You know, if it's, if it's Tom Brady and he just doesn't want it out yet, um, and you've got the information, well, you got to go with it. Sure. Um, if it's Jason Light or Bruce Arians, uh, you know, or someone at that level, same thing. Um, you got to check it out. You got to get both sides. You got to make sure you, you do your due diligence and, uh, you know, go to Brady's camp and talk to him and, and talk to the agent before you go with it, I think. But um, this is one of the dangers of uh, unnamed sources. You got to make sure, you know, your people are right. My guess is that they have you know, multiple people telling them from one camp or the other that, um, th- that this is what's happening. But when Brady hasn't said it, and then you find out that Brady ended up calling Bruce Arians and Jason Light and saying, hey, I haven't made a decision yet. Right. You, you didn't get it from them. So to me, if you don't have it from Tom Brady um, or, the, uh, or the coach or the, or the general manager, I don't think you can go with it. Uh, you, you can't take it from, from somebody that just knows it. You can't take it from, you know, some guy at TB12 or, uh, or some close friend or right. even Giselle. You can't take it from that. <laughs> um, you, you, you can't. You, you've got to vet it out a lot better. And uh, so we'll see because, you know, something that I've kind of thought about here is, you know, we're now 72 hours into, uh, you know, since this announcement came out. And Brady has his camp hasn't really been heard of, heard from except for Don Yee, who says he'll announce it on his own terms. Makes me wonder if maybe what's happened here is that Tom Brady has decided to retire, but that maybe he's going to decide to retire after next season, and that maybe someone jumped the gun a little bit, maybe misinterpreted the message, um, and maybe there's more to this than just he's done now. It right. might be that maybe Tom Brady has decided he's done. Um, but he's going to play another year or maybe he's going to play another two, but I, I'd be a little bit, bit surprised. You know, I don't know that he cares about a, you know, a curtain call type, uh, you know, one last, you know, round of Hurrah, you know, right. rodeo or whatever, that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I, I, I just think that he would control the message a lot better. And, uh, so I'm starting to wonder if maybe what's happened here is that Tom Brady's decided, yeah, I, I'm going to retire, but here's the date and it's not now. And it's interesting, I, I was on the way before we started this interview, he, he released his Let's Go podcast tonight, which we're doing this Monday night with Jim Gray, didn't make an announcement on there. And then they announced that the podcast with Jim Gray was going to go another year, that they renewed it for another year. So 
Does that maybe lead to say, okay, he might make a group announcement with the family. Hey, we're going to play one more year and then we're retiring. Cause you know, you know, who knows, but it's just it, like, yeah. it's interesting that he has, it's been three days and there's been no, his dad is clear cut said, Hey, Tom's not made a decision yet who his dad would know and his dad yeah. wouldn't sell him out like that if, if he, if he didn't. So it'd be very interesting to see if he, does he wait till after the Super Bowl for all the hype after the Super Bowl to talk? who knows, but it'll be very interesting to see if, if, cause it wouldn't shock me. Like you said, if he comes out and says, I'm going to play one more year. No, I, I totally agree. And again, the, the further we get away from, you know, the breaking news, uh, the more I'm starting to think that, you know, there, there's another piece to this that uh, someone didn't get. And, right. um, you know, so we'll see, uh, because I would think the podcast would have been a perfect opportunity for him to say, Hey, uh, you know, and now's a perfect time because as you said, we are in, we are in the week before the super, you know, before media week. So, uh, it's as dead a time as there is, uh, in sports. Uh, obviously uh, there's no baseball news, uh, unless you're a hockey fan, which I am, but, uh, unless you're a hockey or basketball fan, there's not much out there. Olympics starting. I mean, you would want to get it out before the Olympics start as well. I would think, right. Um, I don't think he wants to underplay this cause there's probably going to be a press conference, but you know, we'll wait and see how it all works out. But it just seems to me like one of two things has happened here. Either somebody got it wrong, um, or just as, Brady has basically said no decision has been made and he's not ready to make a decision. Maybe, you know, the process may be a, a very long one for him to decide what to do. Although I would think that as much of an impact as this is going to have on the Buccaneers and, you know, who comes back to them and what they do in terms of uh, replacing him and things like that. I would think for courtesy's sake, he would, he would let the team know uh, pretty, pretty soon here, pretty soon. You think Aries' future is directly tied to Brady? I do. And I mean, I would think that, look, Bruce Arians came here. The plan was to stay two or three years, develop James Winston as a quarterback, and then kind of hand it over to somebody else. If Tom Brady goes, there's no, to me, there's no better opportunity to turn it over to someone else than right now. Um, it's not going to be easy, um, but I don't think Bruce Arians is up for a rebuild. And that's what you're going to be looking at because uh, you got to think that certain players are not going to come back if Brady's not coming back. You know, most of the guys that came back last year uh, came back because they felt they had another shot at another, at another Super Bowl or had a good shot at another Super Bowl, and they did. Um, I got to think of, you know, if Brady's gone, the, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul's not up for another rebuild. Right. Leonard Fournette's going to go get his money and a long-term deal. Uh, everybody's going to cash in. They're going to cash in on their biggest opportunity um, that's, that's out there for him. And for some of those guys, it's long-term contracts elsewhere. Uh, it's better money. Yep. And, uh, and we'll see, even though Tom Brady's not going to be making the $25 million that he was here, uh, you'll have that money open. But my guess is you might have to spend your first round draft pick on a quarterback and, uh, or at least trade up to get one. So do you think, uh, yeah, it goes, do you think there's a, there's a scenario where Bruce, and let's say Tom does retire, Bruce tells Jason Light, Hey, you got till the middle of February to make a deal for one of these big quarterbacks. Russell Wilson's name's out there, potentially an Aaron Rodgers. Maybe, I mean, Deshaun Watson's probably even a, kind of a, a, a way off because we don't know his legal situation. Do you think Arian says, hey, you got two weeks to make a deal? Yeah, I think that would be something that might keep Bruce Arians around. Um, but again, I, I just, if you think you can make it work with that quarterback, again, you're bringing in a quarterback. It worked with Tom Brady, obviously. He came in and adjusted very well. But the other thing I'm thinking here is, 
if you honestly believe, and we don't know how serious other teams really are about Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles, if you really think those guys are ready to be head coaches, you don't want to lose them to another team if right. you think they're that good. Right. Um, so if you believe that much in those two guys, uh, I would give one of them, and I'm not saying this is what the Bucks should do. I'm saying if, if, if Bruce Arians wants to leave, uh, no better opportunity to uh, turn it over to one of those guys that you've groomed for the position right. uh, and give him the job and hopefully keep the other as a coordinator on whichever side of the ball it is, whether it's left, which is head coach and Bowles is defensive coordinator or Bowles is head coach and left, which is uh, offensive coordinator. And if Bruce Arians wants to stick around as president of football operations or give him some title that uh, he can remain involved, uh, you know, off the field in essence, if he's interested, I would do that. But I think those are some of the discussions that are happening uh, over at one buck place uh, right now, as they kind of weigh, uh, where they're headed with this thing with Tom Brady. Again, I, if you think you're going to lose uh, someone like Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich and you think they're absolutely head coach candidates uh, that you don't want to lose, time to promote one of them. And why wait another year uh, with Bruce Arians, who's, you, you know, he, he, this is a short term thing for him anyway, always was. Right, right. All right, let's go to Aaron Rodgers. More disappointment in the playoffs. Another, you know, number one seed, can't get it done, you know. And, and I, and you get tired of me as a fan, I get tired of hearing Aaron Rodgers say, well, the special teams let me down. Well, this, that, whatever the case is, bottom line is he had the ball with four minutes to go and it was 10 to 10 and he went three and out. I mean, yeah. and he, and he missed Alan Lazard who might still be running if he hits Alan Lazard on a crossing route, instead of trying to force a ball 50 yards down the field to Devontae Adams. So what are your thoughts on Rodgers? Obviously you think he stays, goes and, where do you think would be landing spot if he does go? Yeah, I'm not sure it's possible, but if it is possible, I think Aaron Rodgers has been humbled, humbled a little bit here by this. Uh, it's been a, yeah, it's been a rough year for him in, in, in a lot of ways. And uh, most of it's his, uh, his own doing. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers, if, you know, if he wants to preserve his legacy as, as the great quarterback that he's been for the Packers, I think it's time for him to shut up, focus on football and focus on winning. And, uh, and make up, in essence, for, for this opportunity lost here. Um, the team is going to probably be a little bit better next year than it is now. Most of those guys are coming back. They're not losing too many key free agents. Uh, if Rodgers comes back, they'll probably keep the ones that are thinking about leaving. They can add to it, um, not necessarily through the draft, but there's free agency. And, you know, maybe give them a little bit more of a voice because if, the, if you're the Packers, you got to be thinking, hey, you know, we've, we've blown a couple of opportunities here. Yeah. Uh, last year, this year, uh, we should be in those. We should be in the Super Bowl at least once one of those times, and uh, it didn't happen. So uh, I think the whole organization, in a way, has been humbled a little bit here. And to me, it's an opportunity for, uh, for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, clearly, I, I think he's got a year or two left. Um, if he wants to make him great years, focus on football. Stop worrying about Jeopardy and uh, stop worrying about you know politics and other things and play football and focus on winning. Yeah, I got you. I, and again, obviously all the speculation now that his offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, gets the Denver job. Lots of talk that, okay, it's going to be a package deal, him, and then they're going to trade for him, and then Devontae Adams is going to come as a free agent. It'd be interesting to see how that plays. I mean, would the? I, mean, I don't think Green Bay would ever do this, but, you know, they're probably going to get at least two number ones for him if they do trade him, probably two ones and a player probably at least. 
Um, you know, are the Bucks at all in this in this market? If, I mean, I don't think they would trade him to Tampa. Probably more of an AFC team, a Pittsburgh, a Denver, something like that. But I mean, if you're the Bucks, do you do you, do you sacrifice three number one picks if you can get Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? <laughs> um, look, uh, they sacrificed uh, that much to get uh, uh, John Gruden back in the day, to get Keyshawn Johnson, to get uh, you know they didn't have to sacrifice much to get Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady, obviously, or Bruce Arians, but. Yep. Look, this is how the Bucks win win championships. Um, the, the, the Glazer boys, uh, unlike their dad, not patient enough to build it through the draft. Um, they haven't done a good good enough job through the draft. They've come close, but uh, really not uh, haven't put all the pieces together. Look, if you can somehow work a deal to get, if, if Tom Brady's gone, you can work a deal to get Aaron Rodgers here. Yeah, you go for it. You absolutely go for it because let's face it. I mean, if, if Tom Brady is gone. And you're just going to decide to rebuild naturally. You're looking at a long haul at the bottom of the standings. You're looking at, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight years, maybe a decade again. Um, it's hard to come back in the NFL when you're picking. They're, they're not going to be picking high this year in the draft. It's going to be tough. If Tom Brady is gone, you know, it's going to look a little bit like it did uh, the 10 years uh, after the, the last Super Bowl championship, which, which were tough years. So, right. Um, if you can get a, if you can somehow get uh, Tom, uh, Aaron Rodgers to come here, Russell yeah, Wilson, absolutely, go yep. for it. Yeah, I got you. I got you. All right, listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm Jason, along with Roy Cummings, Bucks Insider for PewterPirates.com, longtime uh, media guy here in the Tampa Bay area. Covered the Buccaneers since 1999. Covered the Lightning. He's a baseball guy. Let's get to baseball. I'm going to get your opinion on a couple baseball things. Hall of Fame announcement last week. David Ortiz in. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens' run on the on the ballot expires. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think it went the way it should be. Now, someone would say that, okay, Big Poppy was uh, – he, he played around with the steroids too. Well, it certainly was not to the degree that Clemens and, uh, and Bonds did. I, I, look, I think, I think they've got it right. Um, to me, uh, David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer. And I don't think Barry Bonds is, and I don't think Roger Clemens is. Certainly the numbers say they are, but uh, these guys were, um, were the, the figureheads of the, of the steroid era in which the, they cheated the game. Um, you know, it, the playing field just wasn't level for everybody. You know, Greg Maddox and uh, Tom Glavin and those guys weren't taking uh, steroids, and, and, and Barry Bonds was. That, that's not fair. And it was illegal. And um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of those who believes that uh, anybody who took steroids consistently uh, to the point that uh, Clemens did and Bonds did and McGuire did, uh, uh, Canseco should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think they're Hall of Famers. I think they soiled the game. And uh, if they never get in, that's fine with me. Yeah, and the weird, like just the ironic part of this whole thing, of that whole scenario is Bonds and Clemens never failed a drug test but yet Ortiz was on the mysterious list by the New York Times that he did fail a drug test. So yeah. just that dichotomy of balancing that with people's, people's thought process of, well, if he never failed a drug test, how do you convict him? And then if the guy that did fail a drug test gets in the Hall of Fame, so it's just an interesting dynamic how you, how you balance that. And everybody's different how they view that, and that's their right to do that. And it's, it's just an interesting thought to think of how, those, how everybody kind of balances that thought. 
Yeah, it is. And uh, it, it's, it's an argument that can go on and on, but uh, you know, we certainly don't have enough evidence to, to really implicate David Ortiz. Whereas at the end of the day, we do have plenty of evidence to implicate uh, Roger Clemens and Mark McGuire and Conseco and obviously Barry Bonds. Look, Barry Bonds, it's just, it's all, he didn't need to do it, you know, but right. you know, I kind of base my opinion on, you know, I, I've always felt like I, I have an educated opinion. Uh, it's not just something that I just have for my own gut. You know, I, I mean, I remember listening to people like Ernie Banks and Billy Williams and Hank Aaron and, and, and those guys when they were all alive and, and Billy Williams still is obviously, but, and how they reacted, Bob Gibson, how they reacted and what their feelings were about guys like Barry Bonds and, and Roger Clemens. And, you know, and they, they said, look, there's no place in the game for that. And that's how I feel. Uh, look, uh, as much of a Cubs fan as I am, uh, I don't think Sammy Sosa belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, in fact, I don't think he belongs, you know, deserves to have his number retired by the Cubs. Um, <laughs> and I hope it never happens. Um, to me, uh, you know, if you can't play the game clean, uh, then you shouldn't be playing it at all. And I think, again, as I said, I think these guys not only cheated the game, but they soiled the game. And uh, yeah, the steroid era is, is part of it. But to me, it's one of the worst eras of baseball. And uh, it, it's unfortunate that it happened. What are your thoughts on Pete Rose? Yeah, when you gambled on the game, uh, you look, if, if Shoeless Joe Jackson can't get in, then Pete Rose can't get in. Pete Rose should have been smarter than that. You recognize the talent, but at the end of the day, you know, look, that, that, that poster is up there. I've been in so many major league locker rooms and uh, clubhouses, and it's right there. You, know, you, don't, you don't gamble. You don't gamble on the game, and you certainly don't gamble on your team. Uh, even if it is to win, it, it just, again, it, it, it changes the way you manage the game, how you perceive the game, what your management moves are. Um, again, it just, it, 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 it becomes not, it becomes unnatural. It's, it's not the way the game was supposed to go more than likely. So, and, and who knows, you know, what Pete Rose did today, uh, thinking about tomorrow's bet or what, you know, what player did he hold, did he hold back today uh, in a game? Uh, thinking about his bet tomorrow because of the, the matchup with pitchers or whatever it might be. So, um, no, I just, again, if you cheat the game, you soil the game and you don't belong. We think, you think uh, baseball and the Players Association are going to get this lockout worked out in a decent amount of time? I, I, boy, I'm, I'm hopeful. I really am because, I, yeah, you're, I, I am a baseball guy and I'm, I'm anxious for spring training to start on time and you know, if they miss a week of spring training, they'll probably be all right. If they miss a week of exhibition games, they'll probably be all right. But I got to think that the, these issues that they're they're squabbling over, to me, don't see and they don't seem to be that big. That to me, they're not they're not the kind of issues that you squabble over and cancel a season or or, or shorten a season. Um, they're important. I'm not saying that they're not, but yep. um, you know, there seem to be a little bit of common ground here on some of them, you know, there, there's been some give and take. And I think it's really just a matter of uh, finding that common ground. It's got to happen. Um, and, you know, each, each side is not going to get everything they want here. And I think they realize that now uh, just by looking at, you know, the way that the players have given on a couple of issues, the way the owners have given on a couple of issues. I honestly think they're getting closer to a deal, but you never know. I mean, it, it's, it's so hard to know, but again, you know, baseball is taking a step back from football uh, already. Um, some people don't consider it the national pastime anymore. 
Um, baseball fans still love it, obviously, but, uh, you know, maybe they've lost some fans to some other things. Uh, you can't hurt the game anymore by canceling games and seasons. And uh, COVID's been tough enough on the game. You, you got to get together and get this thing solved. Yeah, they always seem like they can't get out of their own way. I mean, when things are thriving financially, there always seems to be something that just bogs down the, the American fans' interest in the game. They, they, they refuse to speed yeah. the game up. They have labor stoppages, whereas the NFL, they figure out a way to never have labor stoppages. Say what you want. <laughs> they do a great job of keeping the machine churning as far as the finances and, and, the, and the media attention and all that. And for one of these days, they're going to figure out you better, you better not have another work stoppage or, you know, last thing I'll get you out of here. What are your thoughts on the Rays? You think they're in, in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in the dying years of being here in Tampa, or you think they're going to be able to get a stadium deal done? No, I think they're going to get a deal done. I think they'll be in Tampa. I, I don't see uh, – I, I, Major League Baseball did what we all figured it would do. Uh, I'm surprised the Major League Baseball didn't do it right away and just say, you're, you're nuts. We're not, we're not doing this. This, this may be something that happens. Uh, this may be the future of professional sports, but it's, the future's not now. Um, I know Stu Sternberg thinks that this uh, shared season idea is something that's going to, everybody's going to catch on to at some point. But I think we're um, decades, if not a century or two away from that. Uh, I just don't see it happening. I mean, Boston's not going to share their team with Oklahoma City. <laughs> the Yankees aren't going to share their team with Sacramento. It's just not going to happen. Right. Um, so uh, there's no reason for Tampa Bay, the 11th TV market in the nation, to share their uh, their their team with Montreal, a team in another you know country. Right. Much less. It was a stupid idea. It, it, it's naive for him to think that this was going to work. Um, I love what the Rays have done in terms of innovation on the field. Um, I appreciate, you know, thinking outside of the box. Uh, that needs to happen more in baseball. Uh, it needs to happen more in all the sports. But um, sometimes you just have to call a stupid idea a stupid idea. And this was a stupid idea. And thankfully, Major League Baseball finally came around. And when they – I think when they really looked at it, they said, okay, you, you know this was kind of stupid, right? And <laughs> we're not going to back this. And they, they gave them a chance. It's like, okay, put, put your proposal together and we'll look at it. Uh, and I think that's really what happened. I'm sure behind the scenes, it, there were a lot of eyes rolled and, and it was never going to work. And I, I think they probably told Stu Sternberg, look, uh, if you want that, before we can ever make sure that this team is going to work in Tampa Bay, before we can, the only way we're ever going to know if, if Tampa Bay can uh, support a major league baseball team is if you put the team in Tampa, you can't put it in St. Petersburg. You can't put it in Sarasota. You can't put it in Clearwater. Right. You, 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 and you probably can't put it out by the fairgrounds in Hillsborough County. You got to put it in downtown Tampa. And if uh, after 10 or 15 years um, and you're winning still and uh, nobody's supporting it, you're still getting eight, 9,000 people to the games, uh, then we'll talk about, you know, a, a move. But right now uh, you, you got to try it there. And if you can't make it work there, we'll find an owner who can. All right. Last question. I'll get you out of Back to football. What are your thoughts on overtime? You know, the, all the controversy with, with Kansas City and Buffalo. But then yesterday, Kansas City gets the ball and throws an interception. And then Cincinnati goes and wins the game after possession. There's all the thoughts of everybody should have a possession, at least one possession. What are your thoughts on overtime, especially in the playoffs? Yeah, I've never liked the rule of uh, if a team gets a touchdown, uh, the game's over. That, I mean, that's the idea, you know. It, this isn't uh, – you know, in baseball – 
if the visiting team hits a home run, the game's not over. You know, right. at the end of the day, you, you know, you the other team gets the bat too. And, uh, you know, with the same rules. So everybody should get at least one possession. You know, it's, it's offense and defense. Uh, there's two sides of the ball and special teams. So uh, if one team scores a touchdown, you know, in their first possession, great, good for them. The other team should at least have the chance to match it. And uh, without it, it's been a bad rule. It's got to change. Hopefully it does this offseason. All right, Roe. Great work, my friend. Thanks for the time. Tell everybody where they can find you, Pewter Pirates, and all that good stuff that you'll be doing up here in the offseason as we lead up to the Super Bowl as well. Yeah, uh, check me out uh, usually on Bay News 9 once or twice a week uh, uh, doing uh, face-off uh, segments there with Mike Neighbors, who's on uh, pewterpirates.com as well. And uh, just check me out on uh, our Cummings uh, FHCN on Twitter. You'll find me there as well. Yeah, I had Mike on the I had Mike on the podcast last week. We were talking. Yeah. Sean, we were talking Sean Payton and his Drew Brees book and all that. Some great Mike's the super guy. So keep up the, the great work, edited, boy. By the way, what'd you say? A book I edited, by the way. Ah, there you go. Not even, there you go. So pl- plug it away. The the Breeze way. <laughs> the breeze way. That's awesome. I know, and I know. I know you got something that's in the works now. You're doing something that you've been working on something. So when, when your when your project comes to fruition, we'll definitely get you back on and talk uh, talk your next the next book op- opportunity for you. But thanks for the time, Roy. I really appreciate it. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Powers on Sports podcast. Thanks for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. All right, we'll be right back with our Life of the Wife series with Allison Peavy the wife of DePaul University Athletic Director, Dwayne Peavy. So we'll be right back in just a minute. We'll be back to the podcast in just a moment. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. If you have any financing and home purchasing needs, reach out to Jason Powers. Yeah, that's me. Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Titan can help you finance any home purchase in the state of Florida and soon to be Colorado, whether it's a home, condominium, second home, investment property, Titan Home Lending can help you. VA loans, FHA loans, conventional loans, jumbo loans, renovation loans, anything in between. Give me an opportunity to get you pre-approved Titan Home Lending. If you're moving to Florida from another state, we'd love to help you as well. So many people are moving to the state of Florida and Titan Home Lending can help you from Pensacola to Key West. So again, Reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. And now back to the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm Jason down in Tampa. As you know, you've probably heard over the last several months, we've been doing a, some segments on called The Life of the Wife. And we are very pleased to be going to be doing another interview today with another young lady. She is the wife of athletics director, Dwayne Peavy. Dwayne is the athletics director at DePaul University up in Chicago, Illinois. Dwayne's a friend of mine. And um, so we like to do different, we like to talk to different ladies in the sports world. We've talked to uh, Christine Arians, coach uh, Bruce Arians, his wife of the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've talked to uh, a couple of other NFL assistant coaches' wives, and now we are getting into the athletic administration world, talking to Allison Peavy, the wife of Dwayne Peavy, again, athletics director at uh, DePaul University. Welcome to the podcast, Allison. 
Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate you having me on. You're welcome. So the first, you're the first lady of the Paul Blue Demon Athletics. How does that, how does that sound? <laughs> that's, a, it, that's amazing. It's been great. I absolutely love Chicago and just uh, DePaul and everything that it stands for. It was a perfect match. It was like a match made in heaven for our family to come here, partner with DePaul and for Dwayne to get the athletic director's job. It's just been, it's been amazing from start till now, except for the pandemic. But, uh, right. Yeah. You know, as, as amazing as it could be. That's right. Cause, cause Dwayne kind of got, we, he's, what do you guys been there about 18 months now? Something like that. Yeah. Just about 18 months. We came here August of 20. Okay. So yep. you were still in the kind of the, we were all in the thralls of it and, and all that absolutely. stuff. So, um, yes. yeah, absolutely. So you just kind of, now you're a Midwestern girl. You're from Davenport, Iowa. I am. So you're, yeah. how, now, how far is that from Chicago? Actually, it's only about two hours and 45 oh, minutes. Okay. So it works out perfect for my family. So instead of them driving from Iowa to Lexington, which is eight hours, they only have about two hours, 45 minutes, 2.30 if I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been great because my parents have been able to come and see my son play football. They, they didn't miss a football game this his freshman season. So it's been that's, awesome. That's but awesome. But to be real honest with you, when we were in Lexington, they came down there a lot as well. So they're retired. So, but this is an easier drive for them. So it's been great. Very cool. All right. So we're going to go back a little bit time now. Dwayne, okay. your husband, Dwayne, was was back in the day. He was a baseball player at Montevallo. Yes. Montevallo University College, which those yes. of you that don't know, it's in a suburb of Birmingham, Alabama. Talk to me about how you and Dwayne, how did you and Dwayne come, come, come to fruition? Well, it's interesting. I actually was, um, I'm from Davenport, went to school at Florida A&M for about three years. And then I became a flight attendant okay. and I was based in Birmingham under, um, we were a subsidiary of U.S. Airways. So I was based in Birmingham. I was a flight attendant, but I still wanted to finish my degree. So I started right. going to UK and I'm sitting there in class next to um, a woman named Samita and she says, do you have a boyfriend? And I said, no, you know, I don't have a boyfriend. She said, you should date my boyfriend's roommate. And I said, ah, okay. I said, hey, here's the number. Give it to him. You know, let's see what happens. Didn't hear from him for like three weeks. Uh -oh. So I asked her, I said, hey, did you ever give your boyfriend's roommate my number? She said, I did. He never called. I said, no, he never called. I said, she said, I'm going to get on him. So finally he calls. The, the conversations going, honestly, it was a world whirlwind romance. We were engaged in six months and married eight months later, and we will celebrate our 18th year anniversary this August. That's awesome. Now, Dwayne was already working in sports information at Montevallo. Is that right? Actually, he was already at the SEC. Okay. Okay. He was already at the SEC when I met him. So, and it's funny because I, I played volleyball in college at Florida A&M. But I never knew what the SID did, right. right? So in meeting Dwayne, and he really broke it down, what all goes on behind the scenes and what all they do, I was I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I didn't even know that was happening while I was on the court plan. So that's it was awesome. really cool. Well, Allison, I know you've got some, with your Florida A&M uh, connections, I've got some connections in, in Tallahassee too. I actually went to Florida State for a couple of years. I played football there as a walk-on football kicker. And so you and I know the city of Tallahassee very well over the Absolutely. years. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Did you did you ever go to a, a club called the Moon? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I many a time. Many a Saturday yes. night. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was a fun place to go. That was a very that was a fun place to go. Lots of places in Tallahassee. So yeah, so that's awesome that you had. Uh, now, what what got you into playing volleyball? You grew up playing volleyball. Well, it's funny. I'm I'm from an era where every every sport had its season. So I actually played four sports in high school. Okay. So I played volleyball, basketball, track, and in Iowa, softball and baseball is in the summer. Okay. So. I was able to play four sports in high school, but That's awesome. I, I, I wasn't, I was, I was good, not amazing. Yeah. So, but it was fun. Great memories. Now, when you met Dwayne, obviously you kind of knew you met Dwayne when he was, he was working for the Southeastern conference, which for those who don't know is based in Birmingham, uh, exactly. downtown Birmingham. What were, what were your thoughts of that career path? You knew he worked a lot of late nights, a lot of tournaments, a lot of traveling, things like yeah. that. Just what were your thoughts when you kind of, you and him got kind of got going and you knew it was serious. You had a, you had an interesting schedule as a travel, as a flight attendant. How did all yes. that mesh together? Well, it's funny at that time um, that I started going to school, I stopped flying. So I wasn't a flight attendant anymore. I was just still, I was just in school okay. and it was amazing to me. I mean, just my brother played sports. I played sports watching, you know, I grew up watching the Bears and the Cubs and just being a sports fanatic in a way, I never really realized what went on behind the scenes. Right. I always just looked at the players and the coaches and, you know, that's it. So in meeting Dwayne and seeing what all he did, um, just what go all goes into putting the tournament on, um, from being the timeout coordinator, you know, just different things like that. I was in I was amazed. My parents were too. I think we all, as a family, we all were because, I mean, if you're not in the athletic world, you you don't you don't really see that that part of it. So with him, I got to see it. And boy, you talk of you're right. Working those long hours and late nights and late nights and holidays oh, and traveling. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot, but it was cool. That that's one thing, honestly, that um attracted me to him was just his work ethic. He was just, I mean, and you, you gotta have a passion for it. You gotta have your heart into it because or else you'll burn out. Right. So, right. Um, and people don't realize so much of his work started after the game was over when he absolutely. was doing his stuff. It's not the game time is more, I would say it's his rest time, but it's a little right. more relaxed, absolutely. but it's after the game and before the game and all that stuff is when he, he kills himself doing what he's got to do. Oh, Jason, you're so right. Yep, it's after the game. And pre and preparing for the game as well. So, right. yeah, pretty so, cool. So, Dwayne worked in, with the SEC office in a variety of roles for several years. Then he gets a great opportunity to go to Kentucky. And yes. at, at a great time when John Calipari, who's the obviously the, the, the coach we all know, the famous coach and been around forever and done such great work and great coaching – how, how was that transition from Birmingham? Now you're going to a university where you're not working for 12 schools or 14 schools. You're working for just Kentucky and you're really focused on the basketball program. You know what? It was, uh, as a family, it was so much fun. Now, I loved the SEC family. It was fun. Um, 
and you get to go to different campuses, but you can't really root for one team. You right. kind of got to be neutral. Right. But at Kentucky, we could be, our family, we could be all in. I mean, with the paraphernalia, the pom-poms, the hats, the jerseys, and with the kids, it just, it, it was great. So it was fun actually rooting for a school, you know, uh, I mean, with your heart all in it, you know, everything's on the line. Yep. Um, like I said, at the SEC, you know, we want everybody, not we want everybody to win, but, you know, we're, we're there representing the conference sure, more than a sure. school. So going to Kentucky, it was fun. It was great. And how cool is it to be that you knew you were going to be in a place where the sport that you, that Dwayne was spending probably more of his time than anywhere else was a national power. You're in the yeah. final four, you're in the, champion, yeah. I mean, you're playing for national championships virtually every year. And you're working for a guy, John Calipari, who's such a, <laughs> an eccentric figure and a, such yes. a charismatic guy. Yeah. Oh, he is. <laughs> Him and I, we have our love hate relationship, more love than hate. Uh, me and his wife, we're really, really close. They're just two amazing human beings yep. um who we were lucky enough to go on that journey with through kentucky so um it, it i i have zero complaints i love john and ellen to death um i mean they now, would the invite us correct that Dwayne is is Dwayne is who got coach calipari on twitter back in the day oh but if that is correct but you know what and i make sure Dwayne tells this story correctly Guess who told Dwayne about Twitter? Mama? It's me. I <laughs> told him about Twitter. I was the first one to tell him about Twitter. That's yeah, awesome. I told him about Twitter, that he got on Twitter, you know, fooled around with it, and he took it to uh, Coach Calipari, but it was me. Now, he has another friend named Eric San Inocencio who says that he told Dwayne about Twitter, but I think I got to Dwayne first. You did. I think Ma I got Mama wins. Money. Mama wins that argument. Yeah. I remember um, reading an article about it, and then Ashton Kutcher yep. was on. I was a big Ashton Kutcher fan. He's from Iowa, that 70s yep. show. So yep. I, you know, of course, I followed him. Punk. I used to watch Punk and Get all that. Punk. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, let me see what Ashton Kutcher's doing. Because I think may, he might have been the first one to a million, maybe, something like that. And I remember telling Dwayne about it. And so, yeah, all me. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> so all right so so you're at kentucky been there you how what were you guys there nine years eight nine years no we actually were there 12 12 okay 12, 12 years. years talk about your children a little bit obviously your children you, you have two two beautiful children thank the, you what what one's one's in college one's 14 or 15 Yes, actually, um, we have a 21-year-old and we have a 14-year-old. Okay. So when we went there, um, my daughter was seven and my son was 15 months old. Wow. And um, I'll tell you, that first year, about that first six, seven months, um, was kind of lonely. Because, to be honest with you, the, the job that Dwayne took coming from the SEC conference, I didn't even know what he, what he really was going to do. I was just right. like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go on this amazing adventure together. Right. We're in love. We've got two kids. We'll make it. <laughs> 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 then life really hits you and they're not home. You know, you're kind of doing it on your own. Right. Um, my parents uh, were, I knew no one. And what the one mistake I feel like I made 
is when we moved to Lexington, we moved into an apartment. And I did that on purpose so that we could figure out where we actually wanted to buy something in the city, right? right. Sounds great. But when you're living in an apartment and you're new and you don't know anyone, you can't really get to know anyone. So I was like, we got to, if, if I'm going to survive this, I've got to get into a neighborhood right, where right. the kids can run around. I can sit on the front porch. I can meet some neighbors. And I thank God that is exactly what happened. Good. Literally, as we, um, uh, the first house that we moved into, two of our neighbors were coming out of their houses like, hey, can we help you guys move some stuff in? Good. So, I mean, literally, not quite from the very jump, but just a little bit after that, I just made some amazing friends that I'm still friends with to this day. And it's been great. Now, we always had our Kentucky family, the people that he worked with. But, you know, when you're at home every day and, you know, you just need somebody to talk to other yeah. than the 15 year old and the seven year old. There's not anyone there that 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 was getting really rough. Talk about your you mentioned Kentucky family of, of you. You obviously with other administrators, families in the athletic department. I'm sure you interacted with coaches, wives and all that stuff oh, yeah. throughout the years. Just talk about that, forming those relationships, knowing that coaches move. I mean, that's a that's a very transient profession, even even Dwayne's profession. People look are looking for opportunities elsewhere. So there's a lot of people that are there a couple of years and they move or there and unfortunately they get fired or they get promoted or whatever. Right. Just talk right. about that whole dynamic of that, those relationships. Well, I tell you, Connie Barnhart did an excellent job of bringing all of, uh, all of the wives together. So like she would have two kind of luncheons, one in the fall and one in the spring, the one in the fall, um, whoever like fall sports. Right. So I guess that would be football, soccer, some of those kind of things. Yep. All of those partners would come to this luncheon and yeah. we would of course say our names and we would list a lot, um, all the States we've lived in. <laughs> and what you would, what you would find out is just like you and I, Hey, I was at Florida A&M. You were at Florida state. I bet we were there at the same time. Right. And so there were all these little connections formed. So she did a, a great job with that. So I met a lot of coaches, wives and partners that way, um, kids that way. And of course, it just grew and grew and grew. Kentucky was an amazing. And it's funny because knowing other coaches, wives, it's not like this at every university. Kentucky was a very family friendly place. So there was nothing to where. I, ne I never felt that I couldn't take the kids up to Dwayne's office to see him. Cause of course there's going to be some other kids around there too, probably. Right. And that's coach, that's coaches included, you know? So cool. hats off to Mitch Barnhart and Connie for cultivating, cultivating um, just that environment. And that in particular is what we wanted to bring here to DePaul. Because like I said, um, it is not like that. At, at some, from from stories that I hear at every university, some administrators or head coaches or whoever they don't really want to they don't want to see your your family up there and you know they don't want to see your wife up there. All it's the a time. distraction. It's, it's a, a distraction. distraction, right? It's a distraction. Quote unquote. But we never felt that at Kentucky, and um, we want to make the same type of environment here at DePaul. Bring your you got to bring your kid into work one day. Yeah. You got to bring them into work one day. You need to leave to go watch your kids sing at a 
concert that's at noon, you yep. got to go, right. you know, because you're already away from your kids enough. Right. Um, I think one of the things that, um, that I remember Dwayne telling me that Mitch told him was, if your kid calls, answer. So even right. if you're in a meet, so, but then of course, you know, you got five-year-olds calling you, but <laughs> the one thing after that, there wasn't a call that, that Dwayne would not answer for either kid. Right. So guess what I would do, Jason? If I kept calling Dwayne and he wouldn't answer, I'd get one of the kids to call <laughs> from the phone. Because <laughs> I know he's going to pick up. <laughs> they That's say, awesome. mom wants to talk to you. So <laughs> That's nothing, nothing really is more important than a kid calling you. Even if it's, they might want to ask you, do they, can I get a popsicle? Or they might just yep. want to tell you about their day. So Absolutely. Well, you listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. We're doing our Life of the Wife series. We're talking to Allison Peavy. She's the wife of DePaul University Athletics Director Dwayne Peavy, who's a friend of mine. And uh, Allison, you and I have never met. It's crazy. I've known have- Dwayne a long time, but we've never, ever met. Just run into each other anywhere. Yes. So this is, this is all. So talk about, I'm going to talk about Dwayne being away in all his various roles. The cool thing in the last 10, 12 years, FaceTime, Zoom, Skype, those abilities to still have those personal moments with your spouse. Absolutely. Even though you're not right there physically with them, you can see right. each other, you can talk to them, you guys can have candid talks, you can show your emotions. How has yes. all that been really beneficial to you guys? It's been extremely beneficial. Um, I, I'm always pretty much kind of like at a hundred, you know, Dwayne is really even kill guy. I mean, you know, him. he's just, yep. He just stays right here. I get super excited about things. And so if he gets excited, I'm really excited. So he may, <laughs> he may FaceTime me and say, check out my room. You know, look at the room I got, or look what this remote yeah. can, or look at the view, you know? Yeah. So it is, you're right. It's like, we're sharing those times together. He and the kids me. can be involved and the Absolutely. kids can be involved. Absolutely. Kids can be involved. Yeah. They, they love to. My daughter's 21. She loves to FaceTime. She loves <laughs> to FaceTime. She always has. She's been a FaceTimer. But and you and the cool thing is nowadays, obviously, you can you could be at a recital with your daughter singing or playing a game or your son playing. You can yes. live stream it where Dwayne can see it or show the camera. You can see him on the court running around doing doing yeah. the things that they, that maybe Dwayne, if he can't be there, can still see some of the action. Absolutely. You gotta love technology. Gotta love it. So at what point in the in your Kentucky in, in y'all's Kentucky kind of days did you and Dwayne start talking about, hey, I'm probably ready to be an athletics director. I'm ready to take that next step. Hey, I want to be. I want to kind of run my own department. And I know right. Dwayne was in the. In, I know Dwayne had been in the in the running for a couple other AD jobs before he got the DePaul one. How did how does those conversations go with you and Dwayne talking about, hey Allison, I'm really going to go after this job or that job. What do you think? Man, um, I always, I, I always saw it in them. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of those wives, just one of those people who's like, let's just go all in, you know? Not um, afraid to move, not afraid to pick not, up and move somewhere. Not afraid to pick up and move. And why not take the challenge and, and, um, yeah. you know, experience life and try to do great things for other people. And, yeah. um, so I always, it's funny. I think I'm more the pusher of him doing that. Of course, he might, you know, might come to me with a job and say, 
hey, this looks interesting. What do you think? I'm always like, you know, if if that's what you want to do, I'm all I'm all in. I think I've been all in however many times he said it. I've never um come to him like, uh, I don't, I don't think this is the one. I don't think you should go after this one. Because I feel like if he has it in his heart to apply and, and go through just, oh man, just the emotional roller coaster of interviewing and going seeing the school and you know what all goes into that right then um it must be something that that he truly feels he either wants or can get and so i'm one i'm behind him 100 i don't i don't ever mind moving i got gotcha. you that's good that's good that's that's yeah. not everybody's like that a lot of people yeah. are yeah that's 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 a that's a great quality to have all right talk about away from work away from stuff when it's just you and Dwayne, you got a little free time. What do you and Dwayne like to do together as a couple? We watch TV. Yeah, we have our, oh yeah, we have our shows that we watch and that the other can't watch without the other. So yeah, yeah we love movies. Okay. We love, and um, we love, we love, there are certain television shows. Like right now we're watching Swagger on Apple TV. Okay. Um, what else are we watching? Oh man, um, <laughs> I know what I'm watching because I and it's funny because sometimes I'll find a show and I'll send it to him like, "Are you in or out?" And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he's out. But um, and same with me. Like he's watching um right now. He's watching um oh man, Queen of the South. Okay, I've seen that. Yeah, that's a good show. Yeah, so, I mean, that's all on his own. But there are. <laughs> There are certain shows where it's like, I got to wait on Dwayne to come back, you know? So are that, you guys, that's- are you, are you guys travelers and that kind of stuff? Do vacation kind of stuff? Um, I am. <laughs> <laughs> he travels so much. I don't think he likes to travel for pleasure. Right. Um, it's funny, since we just moved to Chicago and we weren't able to go on vacation or anything, just this past summer, we did a staycation. Okay. So like for, for five days straight, we did every, you name it, we've done it in Chicago. We did everything under the sun. I had a whole itinerary from comedy shows to architectural tours to sightseeing, our whole family, we, we did it together. There you go. Um, so he enjoyed that because he was home back home every night. But it's funny <laughs> you say that. It's so funny that you say that because, and I know it's a pandemic and I know I'm kind of cuckoo, but I I just, out of the blue, I booked a trip to Portugal. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I saw it online. It was like 400 bucks. And go. so I, I booked it. Jason, I don't know where I'm staying. <laughs> I don't know who's going with me. Like I've told a couple friends that I'm going sometime in June. I even told Dwayne, you want to come, come. If you can't, you can't. But, you know, life's too short not to live out your dreams and see the world. Airbnb. 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 Yep. Yes, absolutely. So that's Dwayne, awesome. That's not Dwayne's personality at all. No, at that's all. not. No. But if that tells you anything, what I'm like, yeah, I was sitting there one night and I don't know, you get online and I was like, you know what? Portugal. Why not? Right. <laughs> there you go. There Why you not? go. All right. Tell me about your kids. I know you got, you said you got your 21 year old, 15 year old. Tell me their name and what they like to do. I know the one of them is a cheerleader. One, your, your one girl, she's a cheerleader and your son is a football player. It sounds like. 
Yes. So Caitlin, for the longest, that's what I love about Chicago and Lexington as well. Caitlin, for the longest, um, she danced. She yep. danced from maybe three to about 16. And then she was like, you know what? I don't want to dance. I want to be a cheerleader. So she, she became a cheerleader. But as a family, we love the sports and the arts. So she did cheer in college for a little while. Right now she's taking a break. She's just working. Um, she's right. working on Michigan Avenue. And my son, um, he's a football player, a wide receiver. Uh, he actually just um, made a seven on 17. So we're nice. really, yeah, we've, we've never done that before. So that's exciting. We still, we st our heart just breaks that he don't want to play baseball anymore. Our heart breaks, but it is what it is. So. What are you going to do? The kids yeah, can't do what they want to do, man. Right. They're good kids. They're enjoying Chicago and all that it has to offer. I mean, we've been, we don't live that far from Wrigley Field. So we've been to many um, Cubs games, Bulls games, and yeah. just enjoying life. Oh, you are, you are in the Mecca for sports. If you want a sports town, you are there for yes. sure. Yes. For so sure. They're, they're great. They've, both of them have made friends really easy. Um, yeah. yeah. How, do, how do they like live in the city life compared to kind of Lexington? Probably a little slower and a little... How do they like that transition? My daughter loves it. My son, he's like, I don't want to walk. I don't want, we make him walk because there's no parking. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many restaurants and everything within walking distance. If it's within a mile, we're walking. Okay. Oh, he, I mean, he begrudgingly just walks <laughs> and we got to hear him moan from the time we leave the house to the restaurant and on the way back. He hates walking. So one time, um, I said, well, we'll just ride our bikes. We were going to the dentist. And he was like, mom, there are parking spots at the dentist. I said, let me tell you. I said, if you see a parking spot when we get there, I'll give you 50 bucks. <laughs> you see a parking spot, I'll give you 50 bucks. There was no parking. Yeah. I'm like, it's a mile and a half down the road. We're gonna, we're gonna hop on our bikes and we're gonna ride down there. So he's adjusting. He actually takes the city. I, I take him to school sometimes. Sometimes he catches a city bus with his friends. So, go. I mean, there is an adjustment, but when it comes to walking, oh my gosh. Oh, he hates to walk. Yeah. Whereas me and my daughter, we would say, if it's a nice day, when we, especially when we first moved here, we would go out walking. We'll be back three hours later. Like we'll just kind of get lost and go into shops and places. Yeah, we're all about the walking, but. How's, how's the Chicago winters treating you? Okay, so, so <laughs> far, so far, we've only had a little bit of snow, but it's been cold. Yeah. But last year, oh my gosh. Last year, perfect example of me and Dwayne. There's a snowstorm. And my daughter's like, mom, we should go get McDonald's. I'm like, you're right. You know what? We should. Dwayne's like, listen, guys, it's not safe out there. There's been a snowstorm. <laughs> you shouldn't go. Um, you know, you don't even know if you can drive in that weather. Well, me being me, I'm like, he's not going to tell us what to do. If we want McDonald's, we're going to McDonald's. <laughs> Jason, we got stuck. Uh, so we, so we're in the car laughing and we're like, oh my oh, God. We call don't call, don't oh, call Dwayne. Oh my God. I'm like, we're going to have to call Pops. Cause that's what they, that's what we call them. We're going to have to call pops. And so, but before we call them, a neighbor comes out and tries to help dig us out. And we're like way back in the alley. We can't get it. So we have to call Dwayne. And I mean, 
I don't know if the look was like, I told you so, or I'm so mad at you all right now. <laughs> so he had to come, he had to walk because we had the, there's only one car. <laughs> he had to walk to us and dig us out of the snow. Yeah. <laughs> Lesson learned. Yes. Lesson. But I, I, I know a trick now. It's not the, I always thought it was like cardboard boxes that you put up under the, um, the tire. You got to put a blanket. Uh-oh, okay. If you're ever stuck, you need a blanket. That's what really grips the tire and gets it going. Okay, good tip. Not, did not know. There you go. Cardboard. There's your tip, folks. If you're stuck in the snow, <laughs> blankets. Yes, old blanket. That tire right. just went, and we were, we were up and gone. So yeah, we and laugh I, about I know that right I know now. Chicago is a beautiful time in the springtime in the summer. It's a beautiful city as far as it is. so much to do and the lake and all that. Can Dwayne still hit a fastball? Ooh, I don't know. You know, when I first met Dwayne, Dwayne was playing baseball in the summers okay. on a team, on a league, and he was so good, and I was so proud. He was, <laughs> he was hitting all these home runs, and but I haven't seen him hit in a while. You need to take him to the DePaul batting cage. I do baseball batting cage and put him see if he can still hit a fastball. Yeah, absolutely. I do. Yeah, he was a he was an amazing baseball player. Even you know, in his late 20s, early 30s, he was really good. I think they even retired his jersey from that summer league that he played okay. in. All yes. Right. All right, cool. last thing I'll get you out of here on. Being sure. kind of the now you're kind of the 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 at the top of the of the athletic administration and all that. How, what, what influence do you want to have on other ladies in your department, whether it's, again, administrators, just even the, the, the secretarial staff, the, you know, the, the people that do the day-to-day -day stuff, to all the way down to the coaches' wives? What kind of influence do you want to have with them, and what kind of things do you want to try to instill in them? Um, definitely, overall, just a, make sure that there's a wonderful morale across the board. And I'm here for you for anything. If it's if it's a new wife or, or partner that comes in and they need um, a recommendation on a doctor or yeah. whether they want to go to lunch or they need recommendations on a coffee shop um, to, hey, can we, you know, just hang out? Can I come over? Um, that's, that's, I guess, the, the kind of person I hope that they see me as is that they, they can come to me I mean, literally for, for anything. I'm definitely here. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I know Dwayne's doing a great job up there. There, he's he's. Thank you. Know, you. You guys are building that culture, and I actually was I actually texted Dwayne a couple of days ago. I was watching the game against uh, Seton Hall at the end. Yeah. And they were they won, but they were doing everything they could to lose at the end, and they finally <laughs> hung on. I texted yes. Dwayne saying. Woo! I, I got mean, a little hairy there at the end. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. It's funny because I wasn't at that game because I had class that night. I'm actually in school getting my master's right now. Awesome. And so I was on the phone with a friend, but her television was 30 seconds before mine. Okay. And she started screaming and I'm like, oh gosh, we got to hang up because I don't, <laughs> I don't want you to tell, I don't want to know what's going on. I just... I can't take it. My heart can't take it. So I'm glad they pulled it off. They're Maybe. a great group of great group of guys. Tony Stubblefield is doing an amazing job. So yep. it, it it it's we're we're on the uphill uphill climb for sure. Now do you now do you give you give Dwayne? And I know he hasn't probably made a lot of hires yet. 
Do you give Dwayne advice? You look at the resumes of the coaches and the oh yeah the people you're hiring. Say I like this one or not yep. so much over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm not gonna lie. I do. I definitely get my input in. There isn't anybody that I haven't like really liked, but there's yeah. always people. There's always people where I'm like, you get a gut feeling. Yeah. Like I think this is the one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I tell them how I feel all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Allison, it's been a real pleasure. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Keep Thanks up so the great much. work living in Thanks, Chicago. Hope the, hope the kids keep doing their thing and all that stuff. And, you know, I'll, I'll, yep. And I'm definitely going to stay. I've been staying in touch with Dwayne. Keep, keep, keep his, uh, every time they win a big game or something, I, I try to send him a little note. So it's been a real pleasure meeting you. And maybe we'll hopefully we'll get to meet in person one day. I sure hope so. Thank you so much for having me on. And hey, next time you're in Chicago, definitely call us. We'll show you around and we'll be walking. Bring your walking shoes, Jason. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we're, not, we're not taking Ubers and we're not driving. Nope. 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 <laughs> Take care, okay? Thank you, Allison. Keep up the great work and we will be right back on the Powers on Sports podcast. Thank you, Allison. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.